we said this last week, it's a time of year when, when it's not like there's new problems, it's like the prob- but the problems just get more exaggerated this time of year. It kind of can feel like we live between two worlds. I want to start with a story this morning from my college years. Um, if you know me, you know that I, have, I had a really hard time in school. School was very difficult for me. Um, graduated high school with a, a strong GPA of 2.3. Somehow managed to get into a college, a university out here in Colorado. Went to said college, got here, had a blast my freshman year, turned that 2.3 into a 2.1, almost <laughs> failed out. Um, and honestly, I laugh at it now, but it was, a, it was a big struggle for me back then. Like, I didn't feel adequate. I didn't feel like I could figure this out. So my family, my, my parents said, come on home and, and let's, let's figure this out. And I actually got some counseling. I got diagnosed ADD. I started taking Adderall. And pretty much overnight, that made a huge difference in my studies my f- sophomore year going back. Um, I started getting good grades for the first time in my life. I started to realize, hey, I'm actually kind of smart, um, I, and I have something to offer. And, and the other thing that happened, too, and maybe you've experienced this, is I started studying things that were important to me. I started studying the Bible. I started studying leadership and youth ministry and outdoor leadership, which is awesome. Um, and uh, I started enjoying school for my sophomore and then into my junior year. At the end of my junior year, I had a class on preaching. And I I really enjoyed the professor. I'd had him for a different class before. Um, And so I was excited for this preaching class. And, of course, the preaching class kind of culminates in you preaching a sermon in front of the class, and then you get a grade. And so the day came that I was going to preach my sermon, and I had put my heart and soul into it. I felt really confident going into it. And I preached the sermon I don't even remember what I preached on, but I remember sitting down and there just being like this kind of silence as the teacher was kind of putting his thoughts together, this teacher that I really admired. And, and then for the next five minutes, he kind of just tore apart that sermon, just ripped it to shreds. And I ended up getting a C- in the class. And um, spring semester, school ends for, you know, for the summer, school's out for the summer. And I just, I went away really dismal. I was really down about that C minus in preaching. Because <laughs> to me, I wanted to be a pastor. I felt like this is what God was calling me to do, is to be a pastor. And, and I, I remember praying a prayer, Lord, can you use a pastor that can't preach? Because <laughs> I had this really limited view of like, that's, that's what pastors do. And you know, it just so happens now I am a pastor and I'm holding a microphone and preaching a sermon and everything. But that, you know, it was a really narrow view, but it, it was all-encompassing. It was like kind of, you know, cu- cu- breaking down on me, and I remember I had a hard time I, vocalizing a lot of this. I have a lot more perspective now than I did then, um, so I didn't really talk with people about it because of the emotions behind it, uh, but I went on a fishing trip with my dad. My dad and I went on a fishing trip in northern Wisconsin every May during, like, high school and college years, and uh, we went on a fishing trip, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. I was about to go to camp for the summer to work at this camp that I grew up going to. And the camp director, who was a good friend of mine, knew that I wanted to go pursue ministry. And so he was like, Josh, let's give you a bunch of opportunity this summer. Let's you know, give you some leadership opportunities. I even want you to speak at, at the camp this summer as the main speaker for the whole week. 
And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. That was before the C minus, right? <laughs> so here I am. I, I just got the C minus. I'm just, I'm really disparaged, really discouraged. And I got to go, and I have to go speak like seven times in one week, in like, in, in like three weeks. And I'm going on this fishing trip with my dad, and my dad, you know, and I remember we were driving to one of the lakes, and he's like, and I said, Dad, have you ever faced something that you weren't sure you were able to do? My dad, who's a really wise and um, man who just kind of says things simply, he just looked at me and said, no. <laughs> so I went, I went to camp. <laughs> no, literally, I went to camp. And I didn't know what to do. I really felt beca caught between two worlds. I knew that this is what God had called me to do, and yet uh, it couldn't make sense. I, like, this didn't make sense to me. It was rough. That's what it means to be caught between two worlds. And maybe some of you feel that way right now. Maybe there's something in your life where you feel caught between two worlds. You can't make sense of something. You wish you could, and you talk to people, and they don't help. And you know, That's what this series is all about. I want to make. I want to start out with a, with an insight that I thought of this week that I think is really important as we're talking about these kind of things. Um, and it's just simply like. I think if if you're a person of faith, you you might identify with this. There's usually a gap between what God promises and what we think that means. <laughs> you know, there's usually a gap between. Okay, God's promise, he promises us good things. Like if you're a person of faith, you probably were drawn to faith by the goodness of, of community, the goodness of God himself, the goodness of the idea of like maybe, maybe you can change. Maybe I, maybe I can change, you know, and, and God promises that he's going to change us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. That's his promise. But there's usually a gap, isn't there, between his promise and what we think that means. This actually happens all the time with my kids. <laughs> the, I, inevitably, tomorrow, after I pick up my kids from school, especially my seven-year-old, Titus, right now, he'll get into the car, car with me, and he'll, he'll be like, he'll say something like, hey, Dad, can Hayden come over? I'll be like, yeah, sure, buddy. Silence. And then he'll say something like, oh, so we're going to pick him up right now? Well, no, 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 I got to call Brian, his dad, and, you know, maybe something for Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday, I know you like it's just like this whole thing. Like like I said, ten years, you know, maybe in ten years we can play with your buddy. You know, like like when you guys in high school, you know, like no, no, it's like he's like, he, he's like no Thursday or Friday, but you just said I was like well yeah, but we we've got to line it up and and we've got life group on Monday and we've got Joby's concert on Tuesday and 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 by that time by the time we say Tuesday I'm like oh, I just made a big mistake I I went the rational route with my <laughs> seven year old. Uh, you probably like, and they're like, you promised, like, Hayden could come over. <laughs> See, there's a gap between what I said we could do and what my kid thinks that means, <laughs> right? It's their interpretation. It's not their fault. It's and I think the same thing happens with our faith sometimes, our prayers. Lord, help my son. Lord, help my, my anger change me, my impulses, my thoughts. Lord, please help. Amen. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Come on, God, where are you? 
you know? And then, and then you know, if you grew up in faith, you know there's the promises that, the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 29, 11, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, right? Like, God wants good things for us, and we love verses like that. And then bad things happen. And we're like, wait, I thought you were going to be with me. And if, but if you were with me, I, this shouldn't be happening, right? There's a gap often between God's promises and what we think those promises mean. And in that gap is a struggle. There's always a struggle. And this is why it's important to talk about this today, because in that struggle, we are often drawn to make the wrong conclusions, sometimes about ourselves. Like, oh, if God was with me, you know, obviously this wouldn't happen. There must be something wrong with me. And then we can also make bad conclusions, draw wrong conclusions about God himself. If God was with me, this wouldn't happen. Maybe he's not with me. See, I just want to call it out that this is one of the most difficult things if, about being a Christian. In fact, if you're exploring faith, if you're thinking about, um, be, you know, like, like becoming a Christian or making this a part of your life, you need to know that this, this isn't a quick fix all. <laughs> that there's a gap between God's promises and what we think that means. And, and if honestly, if that's you, like you're not sure, if you're, if you're here this morning and you're really struggling, if there's something you just don't understand, you're really caught between two worlds, with something. I'm really glad you're here this morning because I've been praying for you all week. <laughs> I really truly have. Like I've been looking forward to this message because I know that the, in the room this size there's lots of that. So I'm glad you're here at church this morning because I think this morning has this 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 morning has a lot to offer to you in the way of peace. Peace. Once we come to grips and to realize that that this is the way things are it, we can start to realize you didn't mess up necessarily. The, the things you're facing right now aren't your fault per se. And even though you don't see it now, doesn't mean that you're disqualified for, for God's goodness in the future. So that's why I'm excited to talk about this today. Here's, here's the big idea for today. God's path includes periods of confusion. Just straightforward. I, I, I believe that God's path, if you're following God, it will include periods of confusion. And while that insight's not a happy one, I do believe there's comfort to be found in it. Because if we realize that, if we recognize that, I think we'll be not quite as hard on ourselves sometimes. And we might not draw the wrong conclusions about God, but here, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want us to look at the, the story of Mary today. I think she has a really important insight, a huge insight. Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, as she was caught between two worlds. Honestly, the, the Christmas story is, is filled with people that are, feel caught, they feel stuck. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. Um, and if you're a student in the room, this story about Mary is really important because Mary, there's a really good chance that Mary found out that she was going to have a baby, that she was going to have the Son of God, and she was a teenager. She was young, and she figured out, you know, and so the way that she worked that out, um, you might find interesting. The story goes like this. Um, 
an angel appeared to, to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. And not just any baby, this baby's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to sit on the throne of David, and, and his kingdom would never end. And this, he would be the long-awaited Messiah. Now, it's important to, to understand the world that this teenage girl lived in, this Jewish world during the first century B.C. She lived in, in the uh, area of Judea, which is modern-day Palestine or Israel. And, and they were part, at that time, the, the Roman Empire was, in rule, was, was ahead of everything. And the Jewish uh, people, uh, the, the Israel was, was a, probably, the population of the Jewish people were probably about 6 to 10% of the Roman Empire. So they were a small fish in a very big pond. They had some freedoms, but, but they were far from autonomous. They were able to worship and do their religious things, but uh, any time the, the Romans could stop that, they taxed them heavily. Um, if you weren't a Roman citizen, you were, uh, you were a subordinate. There's, um, if a Roman soldier could come up to anybody who wasn't a Roman citizen and just say, hey, you, I want you to carry this, and you had to carry whatever they told you to carry for a mile, just because. That, that was the reality of life in the Roman world. It was, it was, um, it, there, there was, it was not a great, they felt under the thumb of another, and they didn't like that. And probably what was most difficult for Jewish people during that time was Rome was a pagan society, and when we, when we think of the word pagan, a lot of times, we, like right now, we think of the word godless, and that's not it at all. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Pagan cult, uh, paganism is, is a whole, the whole pantheon of gods. There's many, 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 many gods, and that was very different than the Jewish religion, which was one god. It was monotheistic, the one true god, Yahweh, and there was a great fear that with this Roman influence, that they might lose themselves, that over time that Rome, that Rome would, would, um, would spoil their culture. And so everybody that was Jewish at that time wanted Rome out. They just weren't sure how that was going to happen. But everybody agreed during that time there was a collective sense of messianic hope. This hope, this idea that there would one day be a Messiah, that God, that Yahweh would send his Messiah to come and to save the Jewish nation. To, to not only save them, but to raise them up to be a world power, to be, to be like, like, like they were in the time of David. That was, I bring all of this up because that's Mary's worldview. That's, that's what Mary was raised in. She was raised reading verses in the scriptures from Isaiah 42, verse 1, where he says, here is my servant, this is God saying, here is my servant whom I uphold. He's starting to talk about the Messiah. My chosen one whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Keep in mind, this is, this is, this is Israel. They're cramped. They're feeling like there's a little tiny, tiny, uh, the micro, you know, part of the, this microcosm in a big Roman Empire, and they read this, that he will bring, that, that someday God will raise up somebody who will bring justice to the nations that fired them up. There's another verse 
that says he hands, his na- he hands nations over to him. That is, God will hand nations over to his Messiah and subdue kings before him. This part's great. He turns those nations into dust with his sword. <laughs> the wind-blown chaff with his bow. That's what R- Mary grew up reading. That was her world. They were longing for this Messiah. And, and, and then one day an angel said, you're, gonna, you're going to bear this, this Messiah. There's another verse, just to get a little Christmassy right here, a little hand of this Messiah here, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and I love this phrase, and the governments will be on his shoulder. You know, every time, ever since I was a kid, I heard that verse, and I thought of like a, a guy with a parrot. <laughs> you know, like, and here's, here's America. Here's India. You know, like, like the government's like, he just has a bunch of birds. They're his pets, these nations, <laughs> you know. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. And that angel came to Mary that night and said, he will sit on the throne of David, the one you're about to bear. See, you see the significance? Can you imagine what was going on in her heart as she's thinking about he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from, the time, from that time on and forever. See, there's no doubt. When, Jesus, when, when Mary heard that angel say those things, she got inspired by what was going to happen. She started daydreaming about what that would look like. In fact, I was thinking about this week. In the book of Luke, in chapter 1, She's, she, like, makes, like, a Disney princess and just straight up sings a song. Like, she just busts out in a song about this, this Messiah that's about to come and praise the Lord. And, you know, let, let it go, let it go. Like, I'm in. I, I'm so down with this God. This is going to be awesome. Right? Fast forward towards Christmas. Things get a little sticky. First of all, she's not married. So she quick gets married. She was betrothed to a guy named Joseph. You might know the story. And then, uh, you know, they get married, and a couple months later, she starts showing, and people go, oh, I get it. They're like, no, no, no. She's like, no, it's miraculous. Sure. <laughs> That's what they all say, you know. Fast forward a little bit further, gets time to have the baby, and they happen to be traveling because um, Joseph has to go register for a census. So they're out of town. They're not home. She goes into labor, and all of a sudden, in, in haste, she has this, ba- has this baby in a barn. And she wrapped that, you know, it says she wrapped that baby in swaddling clothes and placed him in a manger. And then she excused herself and said, Joseph, watch this, you know, watch the child because I'm going to go apply, you know, make sure my application's in for Mother of the Year Award. <laughs> you know? Like, like honestly... There's nothing that felt good about that night. We sing songs about silent night, holy night. There was nothing silent about that night. There was nothing that felt holy about that night. We can sing that now, and we should. We'll sing those songs this week and next week. It'll be great. But the reality is, I don't want you to miss this. There w- there, nothing would have caused her to say this. This is right where I want to be. <laughs> you know? 
There was nothing in that story that she would have said, this is how I pictured the Son of God coming into the world. This is how I want to bring him in, in a barn. And see, this, we have to pause because this is so important. Again, we can romanticize these stories. We can talk about these people of old and how their faith was so strong. And we can, in, in doing that, we, we develop a really bad case of not meitis. You know, you know, God does cool things through cool people, but not me. Because I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to have the right perspective. I wouldn't be able to keep the right attitude. And, and here's, here's what I want us to see. Mary was discouraged. How, how, would she, how could she not be? Because the, on one hand, there's God's promises, right? You're going to have you give birth to the Messiah, and then there's reality. And there's a gap, right? And she's like, what the heck? What, what was going on? See, Christmas story, the Christmas story is dirty. It's gritty. It's confusing because God's path includes periods of confusion. And see, you can't, you, we have a hard time seeing this in our own lives, right? But see it in Mary's. Did Mary do anything wrong? Not that we know of. Did Mary mess up somehow and that's why she had to give birth? No. This is just how it happened. And it was confusing. And, and I think that this is important for us to wrestle with, to grapple with. Because it, God can still be on the move in your life, even when you feel stuck, even when you feel insecure. Even when you feel embarrassed, I believe that because of stories like this. Uh, yeah, honestly, like, well, this is maybe not all that, maybe this is encouraging to you. It might not be all that helpful. The next part is really helpful. It gets a little practical. Um, the night goes on after she has the baby. The night goes on and a, a whole bunch of shepherds show up because why not? You know, like, and Mary's like, sure, come on in. This just kind of goes with the rest of the evening, right? Like, um, <laughs> And then Luke, Luke records this, this phrase, and this is Luke chapter 2, verse 19, and this is, this is where I want us to camp. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Again, Mary treasured up all these things. <laughs> you know, the fact that, you know, like I heard this, you know, the, the angel to... You know, people looking at me weird now that I'm pregnant to you know, giving birth to a child in the manger to the stable. To, she, she took all of these things and she treasured them and she pondered them. You know why she pondered them? Because they were ponderous. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think she had a problem with shepherds. I think she just thought that shepherds were kind of in the same category as barn animals. You know the category? of things I didn't think I would see the day I gave birth to the Messiah. <laughs> like it's just, she's sorting it out. She's pondering these things. This word ponder is good. It means to think about something carefully, especially before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. Isn't that interesting? She pondered those things. She did what I wouldn't have done. I would have drawn conclusions. <laughs> Out of, you know, it was said, and then Mary said, what the heck, Lord? What is this? What? What, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, that, that would be me. No, no, Mary, she did something different. And I think this is important to recognize because this is actually what I want you to, to do. 
I want you to pull a Mary this week when you're, when you're facing something you don't understand. I want you to slow down. And I want you to ponder it. I don't want you to draw conclusions about yourself. I don't want you to draw conclusions about God and whether he's with you or not. I think it would be good for us to ponder what's going on in our lives, even the things we don't understand. And here's, I think, the word treasure means. She treasured these things. All treasure means is she looked at those things and she said, I'm going to hold on to that. You know, like, like, like I, I, those, the shepherd, whole shepherd thing, I'm just going to hold on to that one. I'm going to treasure that. And I'm going to keep that around. Now, here's, here's, um, here's why I think, here's, here's why I think this is the best thing to do. Life is kind of like putting a puzzle together. I got some puzzle pieces here. I think life is kind of like putting a puzzle together without having all of the puzzle pieces and not having the picture on the front of the box. You ever feel that way? Like, I, like that you, you have some of the information that you need, but you're not quite sure where it fits and how it all fits together? And that's kind of what makes puzzles fun, right? <laughs> like, like. Yeah, like, like that, that thrill of finding that piece that just clicks right there, you know? But it's also what makes it frustrating because sometimes I can't find that piece. I think life is kind of like that. Like, I think puzzle making is kind of like life and that it's satisfying and aggravating all at the same time, you know? It's fun and frustrating all at the same time. And if you're a person of faith, what we believe as people of faith is that God is the one giving us the puzzle pieces. He's the one handing us the puzzle pieces. And this is, this is where it's cool. You don't always understand. Like, God will hand you puzzle pieces. Just, just like doing a puzzle. You're not going to know where everything fits. That's, the, you're like, that's why it takes time. But God hands us these puzzle pieces. I lost my train of thought. Somebody else have it? <laughs> um, if you're a person of faith, you believe that God's in charge of puzzle pieces. Um, Sometimes he gives us pieces we don't understand, and that's just part of puzzle making. The correct response when we get these pieces that we don't know what to do with is just to say, I'm going to hang on to that one. I'm not going to draw conclusions about myself, that I'm a bad puzzle maker. It's, it's just part of making a puzzle. It's just part of putting a puzzle together. It's just part of doing life. And if you're a person of faith, that's just part of doing a life with God. And this is exactly what Mary did. Uh, the pieces for her were the stable, the manger, the visitors, the stress, the embarrassment, the confusion. And she hung on to those. Instead of drawing conclusions, she pondered them in her heart and she treasured them. Which is a really good thing because Mary would have to do that a lot more over the years. In, in fact, everybody, this is interesting to think about, but everybody who interacted with Jesus in his lifetime had to do the same as well because Jesus did some puzzling things. <laughs> Jesus did some confusing things, some things that people were like, I'm not sure what to do with that. 
I'm not sure what to do with what he said. Like, like if, you're, if your arm causes you to sin, chop it off. Okay. <laughs> Hang on to that one. I'm not going to act on that one right away. <laughs> you know? The, everything he did, the people that he hung out with, again, people, again, as soon as people started to think he was the Messiah, what do you think they thought of? The sword, the bow, the, you know, like the, the nations crumbling before him. And then he went and hung out with lepers. And like, wait, 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 wait what, what is that? Like, what, what, and people didn't constantly, like you see in the, the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the accounts of Jesus' life, where they didn't know what to do with him. Even the people who liked him didn't know what to do with him. He was a confusing dude from everything, from wh- who he hung out with, to who, what he taught, to what he said about himself. But far and away, the most confusing thing he ever did was when he died. Nobody saw that coming. The Messiah was not supposed to die. And then again, circle back to Mary. She's holding all these pieces of the puzzle that she's been holding. And then all of a sudden, it, she was there. Gospels record that she and a couple other ladies and, and John the Apostle watched that happen. Can you imagine watching your son die in such a horrific way and just holding those puzzle pieces and like, what do I do with this? No one knew what to do with that. That's why the disciples afterwards, they fled. They were scared. If Rome could do that to Jesus, they could easily do that to them. So they ran. There's a gap between what God had promised about the Messiah and what they thought that meant, right? And that gap remained until he rose again. There's this gap of like, no, 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 Messiah is not supposed to die. And then he rose from the dead and they're like, oh. Like at the resurrection, I feel like God handed them a giant puzzle piece. (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, it's so cool. I have goosebumps right now, by the way. Uh, it's so cool. One of my favorite things right now is to watch the Jesus followers right after the resurrection make sense of the resurrection, of life, of scripture, of the prophecies. They can't, they can't stop talking about the prophecies because, like, like, yeah, he's going to be this, this king that rules. He's going to be, the, you know, the nations will fall before him, all of this talk. But then there's also in Isaiah this whole section about the suffering servant, that he'd be pierced for our transgressions, and by his wounds we would be healed. And those were puzzle pieces. They, had, they didn't know what to do with those until he died and rose again. And they started, oh, they started to fit those puzzle pieces together. They started to put them, you know, put them around the, the, the cross and the resurrection. And, 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 and Mary got to bring her, her puzzle pieces to it, like, and the shepherds and that humble night. Of course he would come in a humble way. Of course he wanted to be born in a manger, just like he wanted to die on a cross. And life started to come to life in light of the resurrection. 
and them boys were fired up. <laughs> if you're familiar with the story, you know that there would come a time at Pentecost, which was a Jewish holiday shortly after Jesus was crucified. And they would go into that city, and the Holy Spirit would come upon them, and they, would, they, they got so fired up, they went out into the city, and in all of these different languages that they didn't know, they were able to proclaim that Jesus had died and rose from the dead. And this huge crowd like, like gathered in, like, what is going on? And Peter gets up, he's like, hey, I know you guys think these guys are drunk. Literally, he says that. But they're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. He goes to, on to tell about Jesus, who Jesus was. In the very city, this is in Jerusalem, yards away from where Jesus was crucified. Some of those people in that crowd no doubt watched it, heard about it. They saw him feed the 5,000. They saw him. They heard him speak about the parables. They, you know, they, they were there. And Peter says, he died. You guys killed him, but he rose from the dead. And the most amazing thing happened. Now, this isn't years. This is, this is weeks after this event. The most amazing thing happened is thousands of people that day believed it, said, yes, I believe that God, Jesus is the Messiah. And they repented of their sins and put their trust in him. Why would they do that? I think there's a couple reasons. Partly because this, those amazing events that happened, the whole speaking, you know, the, the whole the language thing. But I think Beyond the supernatural that day, people that were holding puzzle pieces that didn't make sense to them about life were able to put those pieces into place with the resurrected Jesus. You know? They were, oh my gosh, that's right, Isaiah said that. And then Jesus did it. Isn't that cool? And here's the thing. Generation after generation of people, what would happen from then on is generation and generation of people would put their trust in Jesus, would find pieces, their pieces of the puzzle fitting into the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now it's our turn. That's why we're here. All started that day. Now it's our turn, and we have a choice. We have a choice. And, and see, I believe that there is light for each of us in the resurrection. I know it's, it's Christmas time and, and things might be, like, be kind of dark for you right now and there's that reality. Like it's a season all about light and yet there's darkness. I believe that there, while you're facing things that you don't understand, you have pieces that don't know, you don't know where they go. I believe that the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ casts light onto those things has the ability to cast light onto some of those things. I went to camp that summer, scared, really. And I, I prepared something, and um, long story short, the week went really, really well. I did this really cool thing at the end. It was a room similar to this. It actually had pews like this, too. And at the end of the week, I, I was just wanting, the, I wanted these kids to feel like they, they know that they had what it takes to be themselves. I wanted them to know they had what it takes to follow God. And I said, if you want to come down, you know how I'm always doing silly things. I'm going to do another one here in a second, giving you silly things. Well, that, that day I decided to knife kids with a, with a real giant sword. And, and I was like, hey, I want you to, and, and a 
all, like, all the kids came down, and I just took, took that sword, and I said, you have what it takes, and I knighted them. And I came away from that experience so filled up. You know how I put the pieces together now? You know how that works for me in light of the cross and in light of Jesus' resurrection, how this helps me make sense to something that didn't make sense at one point in time? I can't quite explain it, but I think that God wanted me to go into that experience really humble. I think, I think, I think, looking back on it now, it was really important for me to go into that, that very first speaking experience as a, as a preacher, as a teacher, humble. Because if I went into it proud and it went well, I would be the worst human to be around. <laughs> and here I am today, here I'm, I'm doing it. And just so you know, this is not easy for me. It, it, this is... I struggle with this, I wrestle with this every week, every time I get up. Just because I have a microphone doesn't mean I, I have everything together. It's far from it. it. I have to face insecurities. I have to face you know, the fact that, like, words don't come out of my mouth sometimes, right? Just like this right here now. <laughs> but I'm doing what I'm called to do. And the path of God sometimes has periods of confusion and struggle, and, and that's okay. So I keep going. That's it for you. And th that humility, I see that on the cross. I see Christ facing something far, far more difficult than this. And he did it. What's so cool is while he was on the cross, even he, the divine son of God, who's fully God, who's fully man, who's fully human, cried out and he said, God, why have you forsaken? trying to make sense of what God had called him to do. It's okay if you need to do that too. It's okay. If, that's a, if life's a struggle for you right now, that doesn't disqualify you. If you can't make sense of everything right now, welcome to being a follower of Christ. You're right, it's, you're right where you're supposed to be, just like Mary was, just like Jesus was. We have a really cool opportunity this morning. We have a video from Ken Sloan, who's a, a dear friend of mine and a dear friend of yours, many of yours in the room. And they had, they had something uh, almost two years ago to the day, their house burned down. And I asked, when I was preparing the sermon, I, I said, Ken, would you share what it's what was like processing that? He said, absolutely. And so what you'll listen to here is, is that, is, is him. And you'll see it, it's raw, it's beautiful sincere. Let's listen to that. 